Uh, So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 19 uh, to 24. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. It's on page 971 if you're using a church Bible. If you want a church Bible, put your hand up and um, I appear. And the, uh, the title of the sermon is The Godly Handling of Money. And you might think, if you've been coming for about four weeks, you, you might say, well, it's not about money again, because we only had one about four weeks ago. I don't know if you was here, you might remember it. God owns all the donuts. That's how we ended it. Uh, all the donuts belong to God, and it's what we do with the donuts that counts. And, of course, that was J. John speaking about um, our finances and our giving. Uh, this is uh, slightly different to that, and it does come up in the Sermon on the Mount in the order that we've read it, so we're going to talk about it and, uh, and look at it and see if we can get behind really the heart of what Jesus is saying to us. And that's the thing, isn't it, with God? As we know God more and more, we recognise that he's interested in our heart, not about a bunch of rules and regulations. If our heart's right, we'll choose to want to become more like him. And, uh, and that includes our money and our finances, so that's what we're going to look at today. So we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we've got to remember this is Jesus' teaching to those uh, followers then, while the crowds looked on, but also for us today as well. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 6 from verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, going through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been teaching uh, his followers then, his followers now, that's us, a way to live, attitudes uh, to embrace, lives led as a witness to the world, as followers of Christ, as people who take him and his words seriously. The followers of the one who said, I am the way, giving the direction for a world that seems to have lost it. And if we really take on If we really grasp the teachings and example of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, it transforms your life. And that's the the point. It transforms your life. As we try and hold on to ourselves, um, we lose a bit of our life. As we give it to God, we gain our life, don't we? It transforms your life. It affects your security, your vision, your relationship with God. And in this part of the passage, Jesus is talking about how to deal with money. And it said the money makes the world go round. All of us have money. All of us in this room have more than about 90% of the rest of the world. Uh, And it's what we do with the money uh, which counts, what we do with it. uh, People have ambitions. There's nothing wrong with that. We can use them for godly purposes. We can look at our careers. Uh, We might look at money. We might look even power. But to serve those things is the wrong thing. We cannot serve both them and God. We can use them for God. Uh, People get sucked in so that money's going to buy happiness. The Beatles sang many years ago, money can't buy me love. Remember that? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Money can't buy me love, Paul McCartney said, and here he is. And remember he got married to somebody, didn't didn't he? And I'm not... I'm not questioning their motives, but she walked away with £20 million and he was very unhappy. Money can't buy you love. It can't buy you love. And it can't buy you God. Uh, Even our giving 
you can think, well, well, I give, so that's okay. But it's not about that. It's about God loving us first and us loving him. And everything we do is a response to that. But people get sucked into it. If I only had more money, then all my problems would be answered. They're going for the national lottery. Rollover week, I know, is a, a big uh, sense of excitement and anticipation when I worked on the dealing desk. There were people there that weren't really in need of anything, but you should see them. Unbelievable. And some sad stories as well. People with not any money going into those things and spending what they really couldn't afford uh, for, for this idea that it will solve all their problems. There's a desire for more and more. J.D. Rockefeller, uh, the famous billionaire of the last century, was once asked, how much is enough? And he said, just a bit more. It was never enough. Because his heart was with the money. His heart was with the money. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18, we looked at our secret life with God giving, uh, praying, fasting. Uh, this is the outward, our outward life with God, the outward giving. And in a Western world that promotes materialism, the wants, the must-haves. You know, for, for £200, you can own a brand-new car. £200 a month, they sell it as. Uh, but, of course, you're locked in for three or five years, whatever it is. The new car smell wears off, and uh, you're lumbered with debt because we're chasing the next dream. All the must-haves. And here, uh, Jesus, uh, the, here we see the words of Jesus challenging us and a message for us and a world, and indeed, even in the church. The challenges, really, for us all, is found at the end of uh, verse 24. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, you can have it. You can have it. But it either serves you, or you serve it. If you're chasing and chasing and chasing, you're serving it. The Christian is called to serve God only. But you can use money to serve God. You see the way it twists around. You can use money to serve God. Jesus challenges us in these passages to look into our hearts, to examine ourselves, and then to make some godly choices. We've got to put these words into action. So first of all, um, my first heading, choose what you invest your life in. Jesus says in verse 19, don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Now, he might not be talking just about money, but that seems to be uh, the, the insinuation. But it can include possessions, clothes, homes, power, position, status. He's saying don't chase after those things. Oh, well, those things are good in themselves, but don't make them your God because they won't ever satisfy uh, or ultimately last. You know, I, I, I know a lot of wealthy people and loads of them are unhappy. Loads of them are unhappy. I remember uh, when, uh, well, before we got married, actually, I had this little flat, and um, uh, uh, we used to, we didn't have, you know, much money, really, and we were saving up to get married, and um, Andrew used to come round, and the treat night was ordering from Pizza Hut, uh, you know, and we'd get a, a large one and share it, and I had this little portable telly, okay, on this sort of wire-framed, I thought it was like a bachelor pad, obviously, before I met Andrea, um, but it was all like metal and everything. And it made a right racket. If you banged into it, it would really make a noise. So I had this telly sitting on that, and I had my pizza hut, and we'd get a bottle of Matthias Rosé because we were wine connoisseurs, and we knew what went well with a spicy hot one. So we'd have that thing. We'd sit on the floor because I... I mean, this is true. I, at the time, I didn't even have a settee. I had this one chair. You know, I was a bit reclusive, really, looking back. I used to go out a lot. And um, so we'd sort of sit. Against, uh, against the wall or whatever it was, eating our pizza off the floor. It was still in the box. Um, but we'd eat the pizza and watch a film. Andrew still says to me, now since then we've gone to nice restaurants and we've seen lots of things. I love them all. But Andrew always says, you know, they were the best times. It was just so simple, sitting on the floor, eating a pizza, uh, watching the portable telly 
and uh, only having four channels to choose from. <laughs> we can have too much. We can have too much. There's lots of misconceptions. Um, it could mean anything. It doesn't mean, the misconception is passage, doesn't mean give away everything you have. Otherwise, we'd all be sitting here naked and uh, the church wouldn't exist or the building wouldn't exist at least and there'd be nothing. We wouldn't be driving any cars or anything like that. It doesn't mean give away everything you have. There's only once in the Bible, uh, in, in the New Testament, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 21, did Jesus say that when he was talking to a rich young man? And, and it's, it's likely that he knew his heart. He knew that he'd made money as God, that if he was asked to do it, he, couldn't, he just couldn't do it. But elsewhere, Matthew 27, 57, we've got Joseph of Arimathea continued to be wealthy after he became a follower of Jesus. It's probably the same for Nicodemus. He was a good religious leader. Luke 8, 1 to 3, we know that Jesus was supported by wealthy women. So the ministry was supported. We needed money to support the ministry. It doesn't mean... Another misconception that it's wrong to invest or even to make money. We have the parable of the talents and using what you have wisely. And in fact, the word, the harshest words were for the people that were ultra, ultra safe and did nothing with it. Some people are called to make money, even large sums of money, for the glory of God and for use of his kingdom. I've been to and visited many churches where big projects have happened, whether, they're, whether it's building projects, whether it's mission projects, whatever it is. But it was made possible by somebody who was quite wealthy in the congregation, who maybe underwrote the rest of the giving. It was used for his kingdom. Some people are called to power or great influence. Nothing wrong with that either. It's how you use it. It doesn't mean it's wrong to save. That's another misconception. New Testament encourages encourages us to provide for our relatives and immediate family. Anyone who doesn't, 1 Timothy 5 verse 8, is worse than an unbeliever. So you've got to say, you've got to take care of them. Proverbs 6 verse 6 praises the ant for storing in the summer the food it will need in the winter. So we do think ahead as well. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the good things in life. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17, God has provided us with all things richly to enjoy Luke 11.37, we know that Jesus ate with the rich and the privileged. John 2.1-11, Jesus went to a lavish wedding. Matthew 11.19, he's accused, you can't believe this, can you really, when you think about Christ and who we sing to and everything else, he's accused of being a glutton and a drunkard, which seems to me he must have been eating a lot and drinking a lot. I'm not saying what he drunk, but he must have had his fair fill. He's, he enjoyed a party. Now, of course, under New, uh, in the Old Testament, I have to say, uh, wealth was often seen as a sign of God's blessing. So it's not money itself. In the New Covenant, the New Testament, God's blessing is not necessarily financial. It's a blessing is, is spiritual. But it does seem to say that material things can be received from God and can be enjoyed. We can thank God for them and then we can use them for his glory. So Jesus, again, not so much concerned in, in this instance, with our wealth, but like everything else in the Sermon on the Mount, he's concerned with your heart. It's what you do. It's what we feel. It's what, how we seek to honour God. And he's not so much concerned with money, which people say is the root of all evil, but the Bible doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of evil. Root of all evil. It's unhealthy if my sole desire in this world is to serve money, possessions and things, which then puts God on the sideline. That's unhealthy. 
Money can be used for good. He's more concerned with the selfish accumulation of money, which leads to covetousness, and we look at other people and we want what they want. Um, he condemns, effectively, materialism, the unhealthy obsession, and trust in things rather than in him. Thinking our possessions will make us happy when they don't. But he doesn't say you need to despise those things. He's just saying don't make them your God. Effectively, he's saying that you may feel secure with all those things, but they can go just as quick. He says, moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. You know, the Greek word for rust is a word called brosis, and it means eating. And it could be used to refer to the corrosion that's caused by rust, but equally could be used to describe of the eating by vermin, because in those days, moths would get into the people's clothes, uh, rats and mice into the grain, worms into whatever was stored underground. Thieves would break into the homes and steal whatever they could. Nothing was safe in the ancient world. So he's saying, look, you know, you can build up all those things, but they're not going to last. They will go. And what's more important is how you deal with me for eternity. He's saying, don't put your faith and your trust in all those things, put, uh, and your hope in those things. Put your hope in him. In him. Oh, I knew this, um, I knew this uh, city trade. It was quite a number of years ago now. And um, he was what we called a risk book. Um, so he took risk on behalf of the firm. And it's a very easy concept. If you make money, you keep your job. And if you don't, you don't. It's a transaction. They pay you well for you to make the money. When you stop making the money, they stop paying you and you're out of a job. And he was having a bad run of it. And I saw him in a bar and he, and he was... He, I mean, this is a, a guy that's, you know, I don't know, six foot one. I mean, he's taller than me, so he could have been five foot nine. Um, but I think he was, he was six foot one, at least. A uh, big guy... Um, known as a very aggressive trader, very aggressive. And, um, and he knew that I was a Christian. And he came up to me in the bar and he said, oh, can I talk to you? And you find that, don't you? If you get a reputation as a Christian, people start talking to you, they trust you. And uh, you can soon, soon lose that trust, but, uh, but they do trust you. And he took me to the side and um, he said, I've had a really bad run of it for months and months and I think I'm going to lose my job. And he started crying. And, and this guy, is, he was a really tough guy and had a reputation. And he started crying. He said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not, I can't earn this kind of money anywhere else. Um, and I was talking to him, and he, you know, I knew him anyway, but he had a six-bedroomed house. They had three horses that were in stables. They had people coming around to look after them uh, and everything else, uh, cleaners, all these sorts of things, uh, cars on the drive like you wouldn't believe. And I said to him, and it was all paid for. So I said to him, well, you're actually okay. I mean, what you do, you sell the six-bedroom detached house, you know, slum it and get a four-bedroom detached house. I mean, it's hardly, you know, sacrifice. Get rid of the horses, not, you know, as in going pedigree chum, but sort of sell them. Um, and, and, you know, you don't need the Porsches or whatever. You know, you can make changes in your life and you can be actually secure, if you think about it, for the rest of your life. And he's just like, he said, I can't do that. He says, an expectation on me for my wife. And he said, this is who I am. My whole identity is wrapped up in my job and my things. How sad is that? He actually actually had a, he was in a position to have freedom from all that worry and chose not to. Uh, He's still a trader in the city. He got a job somewhere else and he's still up there, uh, supposedly living the dream. And uh, same age as me, we train together. And uh, he looks about 30 years older than me. I look young. They, they, all look, they, all look, they all look 30 years older than me. 
So what's the better way? If we're not going to put our faith in those things, what is the better way? What is Jesus saying to us this morning? He says, he talks about investing, if you're going to invest in the kingdom of God. By comparison, Jesus says in verse 20, no, don't do that, but instead store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and the rust do not destroy. No one can come after it. All those things that got into their clothes and everything else, they cannot get there. These are the things that we do for the kingdom of God where the thieves do not break in and steal. So he's talking about storing up our treasures in heaven. Now, you have to be clear here. We can't earn your salvation. You can't buy uh, being a Christian. You can't buy. You can't say, well, I'm going to give a certain amount of money. That, that means I'm owed. You know, I can come to this table and I can take communion because I give. You know, it's not about that. Um, our giving is an outworking of, of our relationship with God. There's only one way that we can become Christians, and that's when we recognize the whole of our wrongdoing. The Bible calls it sin. And uh, it's not to feel condemned, although we should be wary of it. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn it, I've come to save it. But the great reason he saves it is because he went on the cross and took my sin and put it on the cross and dealt with it. And he reconciles us to God. That's what makes a Christian. When you accept that and say, well, Jesus is Lord and Saviour, he's my Saviour. I I hate my sin. I hate it. And he's going to pay for it for me. And I'm going to live my life out in gratitude. That's what makes a Christian. Repenting, turn to God uh, accept what he's done on the cross. Uh, get baptised. Get, receive the gift of the Spirit. It's what the Bible is teaching on this in a few weeks' time. You know, and so that's what makes a Christian. So firstly, you know, giving into the kingdom of God does not make you a Christian. Earning uh, what Jesus has done for us on the cross and accepting it makes you a Christian. Giving comes out of that. It's part of what we, who we are and what we do. So he says, store up treasures in heaven which is not about buying your salvation. He means invest in the kingdom of God, about God's rule and reign on the earth. Invest in it. It can be financial, and and finance is needed, but it's not the only way. It means putting your time and your energy and your money into people, investing in preaching the gospel, praying for the sick, caring for the weak and lonely, ministering to the poor. This is where the moth and the rust can't destroy. You're storing up those treasures in heaven as we do these things. The thieves cannot take that away from you. It's there already. It protects your heart, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying our hearts follow our treasure. Giving is one of the marks of a follower that he speaks about at the beginning of Matthew 6. He's talking about money invested for his kingdom. People who give are usually the ones who are the most committed because they really see a purpose and they're driven to see the kingdom of God grow. As you give generously to the kingdom of God, your heart follows effectively is what he's saying. That's where your heart is. Now I see people, um, they look at the FT or their phone app or whatever they've got and they'll check their share prices. And why wouldn't they? Because they've got money invested in the stock market and they want to see how it's doing. They've invested in a company, they want to know how well it's doing. They really care how it performs. They want to see growth and value. Why wouldn't they? If we want to see growth and value in our church, our hearts have to be right. We have to have people that realise realise their need for a saviour because they know and recognise their own sin. And we need to tell the world that message, that Jesus is Lord and he is saviour. And money can help make that happen. It won't be the only thing that makes that happen. But you can see uh, missions started up. Uh, ministries started up. Loads of different initiatives started up because finance has been made available, often through prayer and fasting and the other spiritual disciplines that are needed. You want to see growth and value in our church life. Lives change, missions supported. Then it takes investment. 
in the kingdom of God. Jesus says in verses 22 and 23 that if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, the word literally means evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. We can look around. Um, I, I like Andrew going shopping. I say to her, as a, go shopping as much as you want. We call, I like to call it window shopping. Um, she does something else. Um, but I say, walk around Lakeside or wherever you go and look. You can look as much as you want. But the problem with looking, isn't it, is that sometimes you look at stuff and you know you can't quite afford it or perhaps it's not right or whatever it is, but you want it. And it, it design, you know, and you might even go into debt for it and you want it that badly. And our eyes have a propensity to show us things that we haven't got. Whereas our hearts under God show us what we already have and what we can be grateful for. Uh, fix your eyes on Jesus, the, the author of Hebrews says, the author and perfecter of your faith. As we stay close to him, that's the light that we need in our bodies, not the darkness of coveting and materialism, which is the God of this age. And so thirdly, and lastly, the choice that we have to make, maybe for the first time, but for the rest of us, again and again. It's important to say money is not an indifferent token of exchange. It's not just bartering and somehow to measure that, although it does serve that purpose. The original word used is mammon. You've probably heard of that. Thank you, Bernard. I was very aware that, as I said, you know, it's the light radiating from you that the sun's starting coming through. But I don't think that was for me particularly, but uh, it was fine. I was finding it difficult to read. Thank you. And so uh, the, the word for money, mammon, and mammon was the god of wealth in Carthage. It was recognised as a spiritual being. And so for many, money has been their god. You look around our country in the West, generally money and materialism is the god of the age. It has all the characteristics of a pagan god. It seems to offer security, freedom, power, influence, status, prestige. And people get obsessed with it. They'll go to all sorts of lengths. It has the power. If you think about uh, attention coming away from God and going to a different god, one that's called Mammon, has the power to inspire devotion and sacrifice. Aren't we supposed to be doing that for God? Some literally kill for it. Many, maybe we wouldn't go to that extreme, die for it. What do I mean by that? They sacrifice their health. They sacrifice their relationships. They sacrifice their family. They'll listen to words like drive, push, hustle, scheme, invest, prepare, work, long hours, weekends at the office, burning the midnight oil, and they'll wear those badges with pride. Don't get me wrong, I'm very up for achievement, uh, but it's about balance and knowing uh, where I stand with God rather than getting my purpose for my achievements. And, you know, I've said before, I know a lot of dead and divorced millionaires, you know, they're chasing the dream. And they never really got there because they didn't know God. And what does it result in? It results in broken marriages, cold relationships, uh, fathers, sometimes mothers who don't really know their kids. Um, don't get me wrong, I know people have to go out to work and everything else, but sometimes we can push, push it too far. God says, trust only in him and his kingdom. So I've got to ask myself the question, and you, you need to ask it for yourself. Who am I trusting? Am I trusting my health? Well, that can foul. I know that. I'm... I'm uh, well, it doesn't matter what I am this year. I'll be older, a year older than last year. Um, and time doesn't go backwards. And I've noticed now that when I, things happen, if, if I get a football injury or I've played golf, I ache. I never used to ache after playing golf. It's a gentle walk. Now I ache. You know, I'm decaying. So do I trust my health? <laughs> what is funny about me decaying? <laughs> do I trust my position? This could be... T- you could decide you don't want me as your minister anymore. I could decide I don't want you. 
I do. <laughs> and you do. <laughs> so I'm not going anywhere for now. But, you know, there's no, there's no long, this not jobs for life. Uh, we talked about that yesterday, funny enough. But, but you know, it's, it's, do I trust my position? Loads of people lose their jobs all the time. If money is my God, Jesus says, I can't serve him and money. I'll end up despising him as the only true God because my focus is elsewhere. The word for despise means to be indifferent, unconcerned about something. Isn't that the state of the West now? They're unconcerned about God because they're putting their faith in possessions and money. Materialism, flourishing, people serving money rather than God. And it's interesting though that when, when that dream lets them down, they'll often pray to a God they don't know. I, loads of people have asked me to pray for them and say they don't believe in God. And especially when things don't go so well. And that trader did as well. I don't know what people thought because when he led me to the corner, I, I admitted to mention it's right by the men's toilets. And then 10 minutes after he's told me to start, I've got my arm around him praying for him. I wondered what people were thinking. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Our hearts have room only for one all embracing devotion, and we can only cleave to one Lord. Money is a good servant but it's a bad master. And if you serve it, you become a slave to it. Barry Humphreys, anyone know, not personally, but you know who Barry Humphreys is? Dame Edna Everidge. I'm not doing impressions. He said in his autobiography, I always wanted more. I never had enough milk or money or socks or sex or holidays or first editions or solitude or records or free meals or real friends or guiltless pleasures or neckties or applause or unquestioning love. I mean, a bit depressing, isn't it? Of course, I had more than my share of all those things, but it always left me with a vague feeling of unfulfillment. People fill their lives with things, and Jesus is saying, look, it's not the things, they're okay, you can enjoy them, you can see them as a blessing from God, but don't let them become your God. They fill their lives with things when they need their life to be filled by God. And we need to learn to live with what we have. Not giving in to the covetousness that goes on. Asking, not necessarily, I want more money, I want more money, or have I got enough money, but what does God want me to have? What does God want me to do with it? <laughs> Generous giving is a way of saying God is Lord and money isn't. And remember, to finish up, money isn't necessarily evil, but it's the love of money. Money can be used for good, and you can use it wisely. And we can say no to that spirit of mammon, of materialism, and we can say yes for God, and we can use money for good. Since I've been in the stock market on my illustrations, I'll finish with one. Um, anyone heard of the Sage of Omaha? Know who he is? He's the most successful investor living, uh, a man called Warren Buffett. He lives in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, he runs a company called Berkshire Hathaway. And uh, he grew up, he didn't have money when they grew up. Uh, he just had a really a good aptitude for numbers. And so he started with nothing uh, to show. He's worth about $70 billion now. You can't imagine that kind of wealth. Uh, he did uh, what they call his value investing. Value means not just buying the markets, it's gone up and down, but looking for companies that he felt were undervalued. So he bought into Coca-Cola really early. Uh, he worked out things like if you put a penny, a US penny, a cent, on, uh, on every product sold that's Coca-Cola in the world, you make $20 million extra a day. You know, he knew it was a good product. So he invested in things like that. And, over, and he invested, once he bought them, he held them. He didn't sell them, he just held them. And he, used, he understood compounding. So if stock goes up 10% this year, now you've got 110% invested for next year, it goes on and on and on. So he's a big buy and hold. Some of his positions he's held for 30 or 40 years. So now he's worth about 70 billion. Everyone likes him and he's a nice, apparently he's a very nice guy. But he lives frugally. 
And he says money was never really... So money's a kind of a measurement. Um, despite his enormous wealth, he lives very frugally. And a few years ago, he said, I'm going to give 99% of my wealth away. I haven't, quit, I haven't done the maths about the 1%. He's probably going to do all right. And so far, he's given just under $30 billion away. A lot of it to the Bill Gates Foundation, another very wealthy man. And between them, uh, I actually looked it up. I mean, I started writing them down. I thought, no, we've got communion. I can't go on forever. Um, hundreds of good causes. Some of them I don't necessarily agree with, but the majority just used for good. And he's given the whole lot pretty much away. Now, would I rather he hadn't made money um, because I'm not too sure about it, or would I rather he's made money, he's using it mainly for good? Is that the parable of the talents? It's not just about money, there's loads of other things, but this is what the passage concerns itself with. So these are tough teachings and it's tough to talk about money in a church. But what I want to encourage you is that it's not evil in itself, it's the love of money. Power is not evil in itself, it's the love and abuse of power. Prestige is not evil in itself, it's the, it's the love and abuse of it. Status uh, shouldn't be something you necessarily seek, but you can be given standing. And you can do something with it in a godly fashion. And then you're storing up treasures in heaven. There's loads we could do. There are loads of missions we want to support. We want to increase it, don't we, to all our mission partners. But finance is part of it. Prayer is part of it. It's all part of it. But let's do good for God with our money. It's a tough subject. And, um, and undoubtedly, I always send my notes out to leaders of small groups uh, during the week. So they'll go out and all those Bible references will be on there. So discuss those in your uh, small groups. Or if you're not in a small group, uh, either get in one and you can see Kevin or uh, Adrian. Kevin Adrian said about that. And discuss it, because I know it's a touchy subject, but just see and just challenge your own heart. Let God uh, do that. Uh, if you're not in a small group and you want the notes, let me know and I'll send them to you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a song and then go into communion. Lord, thank you for your word. And we thank you for the way it challenges us in our hearts. And I pray for everybody here, Lord, that we don't get obsessed with uh, what we have or what we've got and what we need. Uh, Lord, things you give us are important and we're so grateful for them but help us to have a heart of how we can use the things we own the money we have to further your kingdom you've given everyone in this room enough um, really to get through in life and of course it's right to save and invest and everything else but Lord I pray you challenge us individually by your Holy Spirit about how we can further your kingdom in prayer, in serving and in finance in Jesus name, Amen